Hello, and welcome to Job Board Geek. We're the podcast about the business of connecting candidates and employers. I'm Jeff Dickey Chasens. I am the Job Board Doctor. I'm one of the hosts, and I have here with my my co-host, Mr. Stephen Rothberg of College Recruiter. Hey, Stephen, how you doing? I'm good. Wow, Mister, that's that's an undeserved sign of respect. Uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have used it. Actually, it was an accident. It's reflexive. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, we're really lucky today. We have a friend of mine uh, and uh, someone that's very veteran of the industry, Kathleen Smith of ClearedJobs.net, and we'll be talking to her in a few seconds. But right now, I just want to bring up something um, that I saw in the news. It, it actually just rolled in yesterday, and I thought it was kind of interesting. The uh, job match and parsing company TextKernel has acquired its its competitor, Sovereign. Uh, and Sovereign is a, is a parsing company that a lot of my clients use, for example, as well as TextKernel. And it's kind of interesting because uh, TextKernel had been a solo company for a while. Uh, they're out of Europe. And then uh, they've been acquired by um, CareerBuilder. And then CareerBuilder, of course, turned around as they tended to do and and uh, divested themselves of, of TextKernel and sold it to a private equity firm called Main Capital Partners. TextKernel just did this deal. Uh, Reuters is estimating it at 34 to $45 million. And you know, I just found that really interesting. Um, Stephen, what's your take on this? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I remember when TextKernel was um, basically spun off of uh, CareerBuilder and there were a mm-hmm. number of analysts and I think more importantly, customers who referred to text journal kernel as one of the jewels of that career builder amalgamation. You know, career builder tried to put together an end-to-end software solution. Um, I think the the goal was laudable. Nobody's ever really done it yet. I do think indeed's on its on its way there, but career builder wasn't able to do it. But one of the things that really jumped out at me was was just the fact that it was sovereign. And for listeners mm-hmm. who aren't familiar with them, it's S O V R E N. I've had a fair amount of interaction with them over the years, including this year. We actually looked at becoming a customer of theirs. We could not have been more impressed by their technology, um, and I think even more importantly for us, by their people, culturally, the way that they approached us. Um, their efforts to make it a create a win win were were just absolutely fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. We were looking at potentially replacing the job search technology on our site where the candidate goes and enters, you know, one or more keywords and their location, and you get a list of matching jobs. And that's one of the things that Sovereign does is, is provide that technology. And just their pricing model didn't work for us. But man, if if we were different, or if their pricing model was different, I I wouldn't hesitate at all. I I, I think TextKernel just got a um, just hit a home run. Yeah, I think it it the the acquisition makes a ton of sense. And if I was in the uh, parsing business right now, I'd be very nervous because mm. these these two companies are technically really really good, and they both have very good market share. TextKernel in uh, the EU and and Sovereign here in the U.S. and elsewhere, actually around the world, putting the two of them together could be really, really interesting. But, uh, you know, I just thought it was just fascinating. It's something that's going to affect uh, a lot of people that are in the job board and recruitment marketing business, because the better you do 
better job you do in terms of parsing, uh, in terms of what you do to do really high quality job matching is going to make a huge difference. Sort of like our our guests that we had uh, last week, Jonathan Samuels and his company introduced, you know, that matching capability is sort of at the heart of their value prop. And it will be interesting to see. But anyway, today we have Kathleen Smith of clearjobs.net. I've known Kathleen for a long time. I've had the uh, pleasure of seeing her speak at conferences before. We've chatted a number of times, things that we can't really say on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> not without getting uh, explicit rating anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We don't, we don't want the explicit rating. But anyway, um, welcome, welcome to Job Board Geek, Kathleen. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I well, you know, thanks for coming on. Um, I was just wondering if you could start out um, and talk to me a little bit about um, how you got into this business and a little bit about clearjobs.net, who the audience is and, and what you guys do. Well, thank you. It, you know, it's funny when I went to college eons ago, I never thought that I would be an executive with a job board company. You know, mm-hmm. I have a degree in biochemistry and one in law and, you know, marketing has always been my thing. So I was really curious when the opportunity to join the team that started clairejobs.net came about. But, you know, the company started as a staffing firm. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is, you know, looking at the evolution as long as I've been in the industry 20 years of how many job board started as a staffing firm and how many job boards moved from being a job board into a staffing firm. So I'm sort of, it's unique. We started as a staffing firm and then moved into being a job board. Our customers, our audience are, you know, our candidates are security cleared professionals, people who have already been cleared, that they hold a specific security clearance at a specific level and that they have a, you know, they don't have to have a technical background because people with security clearances could be admins, they could be chefs, landscapers, truck drivers, machinists, you know, there's everything you need to run the country needs someone with a security clearance. Our employers who are our customers as well are cleared facilities employers, people who have been approved by the government to employ and house in their offices people who have security clearances. And what's interesting is when we started as a staffing firm and moved into being a job board, it was really about relationships. And I know that, you know, we were, you guys were talking about technology before, but Mm -hmm. the one thing that I've just loved about our business and our customers is it truly is about relationships. We have customers that we've had for over 21 years. Wow. People who we've helped, people who we've coached, people who we've helped move to other jobs. I mean, sort of, you know, behind the scenes, if you have a really great customer at one business and they're moving Mm -hmm. on to someplace else, it's really great to be able to help them find that job. I sadly had to say goodbye to one of our customers last week when they unfortunately passed away. And, you know, so it's, it's interesting. It's yes, we can talk about the technology, but one thing that we have always really focused on is what is the relationship that we have with the job seeker and with, with the customer. We even early on, there was several of our competitors, and we don't have that many, 
who made decisions to sell advertising to um, staffing firms and to headhunters. And it was a short-term revenue gain. And Mm -hmm. we really looked at our business model and said, the integrity that we have with our customers, both our employers and our candidates, is really important to us. So we're going to stick to our guns that we only allow access to our database by people who are cleared facilities employers, not people who are third-party. I I just want to jump in here, Kathleen, for our non-U.S. viewers, our listeners. Um, When you talk about security cleared, you're talking about uh, United States um, security cleared people that primarily work in the defense industry, correct? Correct. So we are talking about U.S. government cleared security professionals and cleared facilities employers. We do have a few employers who are based in... um, in Germany or various different bases mm. across the uh, across the globe, we do allow them access, but it's a very specific access. But we primarily only allow the access to um, U.S.-based companies. Got it. So you know, um, as far as our audience, as I said, you know, our customers are cleared facilities employers, people that we literally have had relationships time in, time out. Um, we have lots of candidates who say, time to find another job, and uh, we will look at a you know another job through you. So it's really great when you have candidates that come back to, you know, working with you and being able to say, yes, you helped me find my job. Now I'm going to find another job. So that's great. Interesting. I just want to ask uh, one very quick question. In terms of verification, how do you guys verify that someone is actually security cleared? That is actually not our responsibility. That is the responsibility of the employer. The employer has the access to the government um, background checks. So that is something we don't do. But we tell people that they have to have a security clearance and, you know, they will be called out if they don't have one. And usually either at our career events or on our job board, if someone does interview someone and checks them for a security clearance and finds out they don't have one, they usually call us and let us know and we take them out of the database or we don't allow them to one of our career events. So I had a, I had a question. So one, sure. one of the things I picked up on was, um, Kathleen, was the language that you were using around your customers. And you referred to them both, uh, both regarding the employers and the job seeker. Um, at College Recruiter, we do the same thing. Uh, I think we started to use that language, boy, it's at least five years ago now. It might be 10. Early on, um, before we sort of had a more human side to the business, feeling like better understanding really what we were in the business of doing, which is helping people find great new careers, um, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic thing to do. Um, but we would refer to them like a lot of other job boards were in terms of, in terms of inventory traffic, you know, kind of dehumanizing terms. Mm -hmm. Um, talk with me about, um, the importance to maybe you personally, the business, um, other job boards of thinking of candidates as customers, even if they're not paying you anything. So great question. Yes, it's always been part of our vernacular that we have two customers. We have the job seekers are our customers and the employers are our customers. And actually when we make a decision and it's putting the customer needs of the employer and the job seeker head to head, the job seeker always wins. So whatever Mm -hmm. is important to the job seeker customer 
is what drives the business model, not what is important to the employer. Because the employer at the end of the day wants us to give them really great candidates. And we can't do that if we treat them as the second Mm -hmm. class customer. We also were one of the, I think we were close to the first uh, job board that actually had live customer service. We had that in year Mm. two, year three. So, you know, we had 800 numbers. We had, uh, we had Skype, we had texting, we had everything available, whatever the job seeker just did not understand about using a job board. And so we really went out of our way to make sure that, you know, an informed customer, our informed job seeker would really be a great candidate. So that that was what drove our jo- our blog, what drove um, any of our presentations. Since many of our candidates come from the military, we did as much as we could getting on the de- uh, military bases to present, hey, you know, not only do you need to watch out for various different social media, but this is what you need to do on the job board. I think that that is something very interesting in the candidate pool, no matter what job board you're part of, is that no one really teaches or looks at the job board from the job seeker's point of view. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, when, when we moved more into cybersecurity in the last eight, 10 years and talking to many hackers and stuff, and they were like, this is how you need to set up your job board because we don't understand it this way. So really having the testing being done by a job seeker rather than what looks pretty to us and what mm-hmm. looks, you know, sort of what the employer tells us want that will fit in their, their ATS. But we're not only, you know, technology. We started out with our revenue model was primarily driven by career events. Mm -hmm. So in 2000, 2001, really the security cleared market was all about job fairs. And I could say probably the first four or five years, the majority of our revenue came from our career events. So Hmm. really having the candidate as our customer, we had to put on a really good event. It it couldn't be in a bad location. We had to treat, you know, greet them, Mm -hmm. help them. Um, We had resume review. We instituted something that was called the best recruiter program in 2010 where actually the candidates could vote for the recruiters who provided the best overall experience that grew into the candidate experience awards that jerry crispin has done so really sort of starting at that point in the career events really treating the candidates as the customers and slowly but surely we've moved from more of our job board is our major revenue model. We still do the events for a variety of reasons. One, diversification of revenue. It's also, there are some customers, both job seekers and cleared facilities employers who prefer an in-person event. And that is something indicative of our industry, or excuse me, of my community, because culture is really a big hurdle as far as the next you know, step for a candidate to make in the hiring process. And it's not only the culture of the employer, but it's also the culture of the government client that they're in front of. And you can shorten the overall hiring process by about 40% if a recruiter has met the candidate face-to-face and can say, this person will meet mm. the culture or they won't. And that's not something that can you do from technology. That has to be done face-to-face. With the pandemic, we actually 
actually looked at new revenue models and really enjoyed moving into the virtual events. Like many, we all use the same platform. We did trainings. We did individualized trainings with each one of our employer customers. We had individual job seeker trainings. We made sure that we had on-site, excuse me, in virtual resume mm-hmm. review. So as much as we could do about the candidate experience that we could control, we made sure we transferred from the offline events to the virtual. And that really helped our overall success. We still had the best recruiter program. We still did as many trainings as possible. We have some great staff that are really well known for providing education and, you know, sort of educational presentations rather than marketing presentations. I'm happy that we were challenged over the last two years because I think it gave us an opportunity to really look at our processes. And we didn't necessarily change a lot of our technology. We changed, obviously, what we did as far as events were concerned. Mm -hmm. But we were able to pivot. We pivoted really quickly even though more than 60% of our management team was driving cross country or in the middle of their own personal panic. So we, we turned around really quickly and I, I just couldn't be happier with the way our team actually got closer, more successful, more knowledgeable, um, really just stepped up to everything. So not that I want another pandemic, but I'm really glad that we had some challenges to make us learn better. Well, Kathleen, um, you're definitely, your company and you personally, but your company and the way you guys approach things has always been one of the highest touch uh, businesses that I've seen, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Um, But I'm just curious, what's your take on some of the some of the move in the industry at this point to a higher degree of automation in the form of things like programmatic. Indeed has said, uh, we're moving to cost per application in 2022. I've seen this from a couple of other vendors, you know, and all these things are very, very sort of in some ways, the opposite of what you guys are doing. What's your take on it? I mean, are you guys using programmatic or do you see that as something that might help you in the future? So we have used programmatic off and on over the years. And what's fascinating, I've been, this is literally my third career, and I've seen, uh, I've been part of other industries. And this is the only industry I've seen where you can have someone as your vendor or your customer, and within, you know, three weeks time, they become your competitor. Yep. Um, You know, it's been the case as long as I've been around here and I'm just fascinated with it. And you always, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I wrote clauses in partnership agreements saying, we'll partner with you, but you, you agree not to start a job board or you agree (laughs) not to, you know, become a competitor. And so, so you didn't work with Indeed apparently. (laughs) (laughs) But we have worked with, you know, that sort of large professional network that's out there that got everyone to sign up three year, very lucrative deals Mm -hmm. and then announced four months later that they were not going to work with jump boards anymore. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. I just paid for a three year, several hundred thousand dollar deal. And now you're kicking us all out. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Something's wrong here. So programmatic, yes, is great. And we did get better quality candidates because again, in our business, it's definitely about the quality, but at the same time, 
you know, now we're back to square one. How do we fill that in? And this is where having our events, our outreach to military bases, the things that we've always been known for, are still going to fill the gap. They're not going to fill them as great as they were for the three or four months that that big, large professional network decided to work well because they first <laughs> didn't work well and they were messing things up. And then all of a sudden they worked well and then management made a decision. That's what makes this business exciting. <laughs> you never know, do you? You never know. You never know. know. You never know. <laughs> I mean, I can I can tell you, I, I look at it as being exciting because I've worked in the nonprofit world, specifically in disaster fundraising, and you always have to be thinking the next. Um, it is very frustrating from a management standpoint when you make plans, you make investments, and then they change. I think that I understand that people really like playing with technology. Mm -hmm. Um, Over the last eight years, I've been very involved in the cybersecurity community and with hackers. And I can tell you, the most technical people in the world still want to have a face-to-face, one-on-one personal relationship when they're looking for a job. So the more that you can do to support that connection, mm-hmm. then mixing things up and matching, because I, you know, the same thing that happens with just regular old Boolean search, garbage in, garbage out. Right. You know, if, if you don't teach the candidate how well to write their resume, you could do all the parsing and matching in the world and you're, you're still not going to get the right candidate. When I was, I spent a lot of time on Slack and Discord and, at the hacker conferences doing resume review, because if I don't see what's being put into the system, there's no way that I can craft my marketing strategy nor my technology. And the crap, sorry, I promise not to swear, (laughs) the crap that is being shared by the cybersecurity community as to what constitutes a really good resume would scare most people in the job board world. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is just got awful and you know we wonder why there's a cybersecurity you know jobs gap it's because no one knows how to write a document to go into the first part of a job board or an ATS so i i love that there are so many people who are really curious about programmatic this and price per application we look at it it's not something that drives our business we drive where we're going to get the machinists that have the highest level security clearance we know that the technical people are on our board anyway we're known for having the higher quality and Mm -hmm. higher level security clearances and again that's because of the high touch efforts Right. Well, that makes that makes total sense. And, uh, and, and you know, as always, I think it's it's fascinating to, to talk to you because I do think that you have um, sort of a different attitude about this um, business than perhaps some of the other people that have succeeded in the business. And that's what makes the industry interesting is all these different attitudes and different ways of going about business. So Kathleen, if uh, any of our listeners want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? So I'm very active on LinkedIn. Be very happy to connect with you on LinkedIn. That's usually my first step. Uh, if you happen to be on Twitter, I have my Twitter handle. Yes, it's Kathleen. Um, or just reach out through the website. You know, happy to talk with you there. Great. Well, well, listen, Kathleen, thanks so much for coming on Job Board Geek. I really appreciate it. There is a co-host here, uh, Stephen. I appreciate you jumping in and talking today. I'm not going to call you Mr. Stephen again. Oops, I did. Okay. Anyway, so Stephen, if, if any of our uh, listeners want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? 
Uh, well, I don't have as good a Twitter handle as Kathleen does, but uh, <laughs> uh, LinkedIn.com slash IN slash Stephen Rothberg, Stephen with a V, um, or else my mother will hunt you down and kill you. Uh, <laughs> or email me, Stephen at collegerecruiter.com. Kathleen, this has been great. Thank you. Thank you. If I can just add the reason why I have the Twitter handle that I do, when I started all the social media back in 2007, and, and I was communicating. When with you were in people. grade school. Thank you. When you were in grade school. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. You make up for that earlier comment, right? And I would be communicating and engaging with people on our main clearjobs.net uh, Twitter page because Twitter is so big and still so big within the technical community. And people were like, is this clearjobs.net or is it Kathleen? And I would say, yes, it's Kathleen. So that's how I got my title. <laughs> that's how I got my Twitter handle. Wow. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Well, well, thanks again, Kathleen. And I just want to remind everyone that, um, you know, we're relatively young podcasts at this point, but we, if you want to subscribe to the Job Board Geek uh, RSS feed, that's fine. Uh, we're also on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Deezer, a num number of other options. Um, we're trying to get on Apple. Haven't done it yet, but they say they will get back to me. And um, this is Jeff Dickey Chasens. You've been listening to Job Board Geek. We are the podcast about the business of connecting candidates and employers. That's all for this week, and I'll see you again soon. Thanks. <laughs>